My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. Welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here this morning. It's good to see uh, so many of you this morning that I haven't seen in a minute. So welcome back. I know we've had uh, bouts of illness. It has run through our house uh, rampantly. And uh, we are like most of your families. We'd appreciate your prayers as we get over this stuff. So we have the cough that will not end. But uh, anyway, today, today, we are back in Mark chapter 5. And I am excited to be in Mark chapter 5. Because Mark chapter 5 has a ton of uh, just wonderful things about Jesus Christ that we can learn. And uh, hopefully you have been thinking about this question, which is, what is God doing in you through the portion of Mark we've studied so far? So what is God doing in you through the portion of Mark we have studied so far? Yes, ma'am. Hmm. Falling more and more in love with Jesus, yes. Now, I didn't say that right. You said he is making me fall more. I like that, yes. Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that a good father? What a good father that would do that for us, yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What else? What is God doing in you through the... Through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far. Somebody objects to the question, that's okay. <clears throat> One of the things they teach you in teacher school is you either acknowledge the interruption or you suffer through everybody else waiting for you to acknowledge the interruption. So, just, you know. It hasn't ended yet, has it? Wow, that's really rough. <laughs> All right, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, ma'am. He's helping you to see more of who he really is. Oh, yes. Helping me to see more of who he really is. Isn't it wonderful we have a printed copy of God's actual words so that we can know and not just wonder and rely on somebody's memory or yeah try to put them in a little box that's good I feel like there's one more so I'm going to wait for a second Josh is it you or is it somebody else okay cool because you're squirming Katie knows this about you but when you start to squirm you want to say something and it's not like a whole because some of you do this whole body squirm Josh has this little head wiggle squirm and it's it's wonderful because I I can't, sometimes I can't tell if he's intellectually disagreeing with me, because sometimes you like move the part of your body that is is frustrated, but uh, so now that I've really. Was that Caleb we heard just a minute ago? No, that was another child. Okay, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I had an episode of the morning, my demon came out, and I was angry, and I took it out on the 
Amen. Yeah, there's a reason there's 200 new bestseller self-help books every year. It's because they don't work. So, it's the, yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read through uh, Mark chapter 5, and then we'll start. We were somewhere about halfway through verse um, 4 last week. So, we'll... We'll jump back through there in just a minute. <clears throat> so Mark chapter 5. So following directly on the heels of Mark chapter 4, which was a really busy day. They go across the Sea of Galilee, and then we get to Mark chapter 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, and among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran down and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see that what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat, and the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much, he, how much he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat on the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to, say, to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear, trembling down, and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter is dead. 
why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. How do you not fall in love with this guy, right? Oh my goodness. It's just incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So last week we looked at uh, verses 1, 2, 3. We kind of got up to the point in the middle of verse 4. So verse 4 says, For he had often been bound with shackles, the demon-possessed man often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. I'm on page 136 of your handout, about halfway down. <clears throat> and we were supposed to start with a question or a comment this week. Yes. And what was the question or comment? Right. So we need to pay more attention to the spiritual component of things of our lives because we sometimes behave as if that's not real. We sometimes behave as if the stuff that we can feel and touch is the only thing that's real. Okay, great. I think that'll come up today if I had to bet a nickel. So he broke the shackles in pieces and it says no one had the strength to subdue him. So no one had the strength to subdue him. Um... Do you know strong people in your life? Like physically strong? Like could pick you up and tote you around strong? Yes. I am not one of those people. Right? Um, <laughs> I know there was a, a mockery somewhere. I didn't hear exactly what it was, but that's okay. <clears throat> I self-acknowledged, so that was, there's this, right? But this says no one had the strength to subdue him or to tame him. Uh, we use the word, uh, you see the word subdue there, damazo. Um, this, this, we use the word, the concept of taming with what? Animals, Animals right? Yeah. And, and this, if you, if you look at his behavior, um, it, it, is, it is not human-like. It is very non-human-like. So have this kind of mindset in your head. And, and the beginning of verse 5 here, I want you to notice all the Greek words that you're uh, that your Bibles actually skip. So verse 5 starts with chi, which is this word and, and then dia, which is the preposition for through, and then uh, pas, which is the word for all. So you, if you want to literally translate every single word, and through all the night and day, right? and we kind of get that with night and day, but think about through all the night and day, among the tombs. 
what was he doing? He was crying out and cutting himself with stones. You do something all day long, all night long, all day long, all night long, all day long, all night long. All... This is exhausting. So Friday night, this past week, I uh, did not sleep well at all. Like, shockingly bad, did not sleep well. And um, woke up. Uh, we went to bed late, probably 11, 11, 15, something like that. Uh, and woke up at 12.30 and was up for several hours just sick. This is not good. Got back to sleep somewhere around 3 o'clock in the morning. Got up at uh, 8 Saturday morning and was just utterly exhausted. And that one bad night's sleep wrecked yesterday. Like, done. I, I was joking uh, at the end of last week's lesson with Dave that you might get a text this morning saying, hey, you're up again. Well, yesterday around noon, I thought really, like, Dave might be getting a text this morning because this is not trending well. This is not going well. And then last night, you know what happened? I had the best night's sleep. I'm like, let's go. Let's do this thing. I'm ready for today. But think how exhausting, how utterly exhausting it would be to be doing this all night long and all day long and all night long and all day long and all night long and all day long. I want you to feel the weight of the tiredness here. Does this make sense? Everybody with me? All right, cool. Among the tombs. What a happy place, right? This is so wonderful. No. Among the tombs, uh, on the mountains, he was always crying out. So at the top of page 137 on your handout there, Mark 5.5. 5. It's always wonderful to have friends here. He was always crying out. This is the present active participle. This is the repeatedly over and over and over. <clears throat> now, so I do want you to stop answering a question that some of you uh, have been reticent to answer a certain way for a while now. Um, it, it's common in our culture to say when we see something that we don't understand, well, that's Greek to me, right? You can't say that anymore. Because you know a little bit now, okay? So just, we've got to stop saying that. So he was always crying out. He was uh, croaking or screaming or calling aloud. This word shows up many times in the Gospel of Mark. And then you get to the second phrase here, and cutting. This is another present active participle. So if you think through what's going to happen to his physical body when he wrenches the chains and he breaks the shackles, you're going to have scars from this over and over and over. And he's not just got the scars. He's actively doing this to himself. Now, did I say that correctly? Thank you. Oh, no, yeah, no, this is actively cutting himself. This is, this is using something to actively hurt himself. But am I saying that properly? He's actively cutting himself. Am I saying that properly? What's the source of the reason for this? The demons, right? There is a spiritual influence that is, I was going to say fleshing itself out. That's not right. That, is, that looks like some physical manifestation on the outside. 
And is that physical manifestation, physical manifestation a beautiful thing to look at? Absolutely not. You know why? You know why? Genesis 1. Because when God made man in his image, guess who does not like God? Satan does not like God. And when Satan looks at me and you, you know what he sees? He sees the image of God. And he wants to physically mar that image. And I don't know how many of you have ever dealt with or been around or uh, suffered with personally any physical harm to yourself. And please just let me tell you, please just let me tell you, don't do that. Please don't do that. You are the image of God. And you have worth and value and beauty because of that. Please do not hurt yourself. When we hurt ourselves, we are literally doing the activity of the devil. Please do not hurt yourself. So he's repeatedly, all night, all day, crying out, cutting himself with stones. And then verse 6 happens. I struggle not getting emotional at verse 6. Because if there's an inflection point in Mark chapter 5, it's verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, why would he see Jesus from afar? What's that? Yeah, he's in the mountain. He's up high. He's with the dead. There's not a lot of people just walking around, right? Movement stands out when you're hanging out in the tombs. Everybody with me on this? When he sees Jesus, that's right. That's exactly right. Very possibly so. So the so one inter- Thank you for bringing that out. I want to tease this out for just a second. So one of the interesting things about the pronouns in Mark chapter five is that uh, in Mark five verse five it says he was crying out and cutting himself. But we know that there was a driver for that, right? That was not him personally, but the demonic activity in him. They're pretty interchangeable, the pronouns here. It's sometimes very difficult to tell whether this was the, the man or the demonic activity inside the man, the driver here, because there's, there's just so much blurriness between the two. I, it does not. <laughs> um, if anything, the Greek makes it more difficult because it's, it's not tied to a very specific... Uh, I'm, I've lost my grammar here. It, yes? Antecedent, yes. Thank you very much. That's exactly right. I love having experts in the room. It is so useful. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> Just like that, I'm happy again. Good. All right. So, <laughs> verse 6... <laughs> This is, like, this is really heavy stuff, right? So I hope that you guys at least look at this a couple of times during the week. And when you meditate for hours on things like this, it, it is easy to meditate on the downside rather than the upside of this. So be careful how we do this as well. 
So verse 6, and when he saw Jesus from afar, from a distance, he ran. So let's just pause right there for a second. So who's with Jesus? The disciples are with Jesus. They just got off the boat. They're, have they had a good night? Were they rested? Were they ready for the day? Were they refreshed and ready with their disciples' uniforms and like, yay, let's go Jesus work? Like, no, they are exhausted. They are worn out. They are amazed and fearful and a bit confused and wondering, what box do we put this man into? Because he just told the weather what to do. So I'm going to guess that he's going to be thinking about, they're going to be thinking about this for a minute. And then you see this guy running towards you. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to run the other way. I'm going to get back in the boat, <laughs> right? And I hope he can't swim. I, I don't know, right? It's just like, <laughs> I want you to go the other way. He ran and he fell down before him. Now, a um, couple ways to look at this. So one way to look at this is, this is an act of worship and adoration of the Messiah. And I think you got to really stretch a little here in the text to get to that conclusion, right? Another way to look at this is that this is, uh, and I got this from Brian as he went through the Wednesday night series on Mark, which was super helpful to have your pastor walk you through it before you actually teach it. So there's that. Uh, that this is more of a recognition of authority, like the maker has shown up. <laughs> Let's respond accordingly, right? So he, he runs and he falls down before him. So um, before Jesus, obviously, is who we're talking about. Verse 7, and crying out. What's the Greek word there? What does it look like? It looks like crazy, right? It, it's actually kradzo, yeah. When you see a Z at the end, it pronounces it like a D and a Z all together. So kradzo. So crying out, it's the same word that he was using uh, back up in verse 5 when he was crying out and cutting himself, right? So his speech patterns are what? Loud, right? They're loud. He runs places. He cuts himself. This is like what's coming out of his mouth next. How many of you would have bet that it would be a, a true statement of theological accuracy? <laughs> There is this, right? There we go. Crying out with a loud megaphone, with a megaphone, this is the Greek actually here, with a, a loud voice, he said, what have you to do, next page on your handout, with me, Jesus, son of the most high God. Flip over to, we don't do this very often, but you'll need a bigger Bible. Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11. Philippians 2, 10 and 11. I think Mark 5, 7 is a preview. It's a little foretaste. It's a little, like, I'm going to show you what the future is going to look like on a much grander scale. Who's got Philippians 2, 10, and 11? Dave, you got it? 
King Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord and to the glory of God. Preview. <laughs> this is what that looks like. Right? What is his physical position right there when he says it? He's on the ground. This is what this looks like. How do you not love this man? <laughs> it's wonderful. And then, what I would consider, for someone who reads the Bible out loud, one of the most unfortunate translations ever, the word adjure. Because it's a weird word, right? When was the last time you used the word adjure? Ever? If you ever use that word? Right? It's an odd word. It just means to put on oath or to make swear. It's the idea that uh, I'm trying to get you to do something. It's a little, it's a little, uh, it's a little firmer than an ask. It's a half ask, half, half tell kind of a like need you to do this, right? I adjure you by God. Do not torment me. What's he asking for here? He's asking for mercy. That's exactly right. And. There's a, there's a very real element in which we can directly relate to this action. I don't know if you ever thought about relating to a demon before, but what do we ask God for when we come to Him in repentance and faith? We're asking for forgiveness and then mercy from freedom of a future judgment, right? What place is associated in the New Testament with torment? Hell is, right? I look at this and I say, do not torment me. Looks like do not send me to hell right now. Right? Do not do something to me that is going to torment me. For he, now here's where it gets tricky. So the pronouns get tricky right here. And some of your English translations will put Jesus' name in for the pronouns because we just have this long string of pronouns. And the great thing is the context here is super clear. It's going to be difficult to misunderstand which pronoun, which person we're actually talking about. But in some parts of the Bible, it's very easy to get confused on this. So for he, this is Jesus, was saying to him, the demon-possessed man, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Now, <clears throat> the word come there is a what, Miss Amy? It's an imperative, yes. And uh, when Jesus gives an imperative, guess what happens? That happens, yes. <laughs> that happens, right? So Jesus was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. In verse 9. And Jesus asked him, so one more time, I feel like I've said this for the thousandth time, one more time, Jesus loves to ask questions. And he's not asking questions for knowledge. He's asking questions for clarity and visibility and for those around to understand the point he's actually making here, right? So Jesus asked him, what is your name? 
Did Jesus know his name? Yes. yes. Was, is there any doubt that Jesus knew, like Jesus absolutely knew his name? Are there any instances in the New Testament where Jesus casts out a demon? What's the answer, Ms. Darla? Yes, there are, right. Where he casts out singular demons. Yes. This <laughs> is the supersized version of that. All right. He says, my name is Legion. So this word is um, the, the word for a Roman regiment. This is a lot. This is a large number. Has, has anybody heard a number associated with Legion? Thousands, right? Thousands. Um, for we, now this is something I was talking to Julie and uh, Miss Becky about before Sunday school started. The, uh, the number, I'm talking grammatically here, the number of the pronouns and the nouns used in the first part of Mark chapter 5 are very confusing to me because everything is singular, talking about this man, up to this point right here, up until he says, for we are many. And then it's the plurality. So you almost get this sense, if, if you'd been an original Greek language speaker, you would not have known about the volume until that point. And at that point, you would have gone like, whoa, like this is a lot. Right? So we know what Jesus can do with one demon. What can he do with a group? Is like four too many? Is six too many? Is nine too many? Like what, what number is too many? <laughs> There's no number that's too many. Verse 10, and he begged. So who are we talking about here? The, the, the demon, right? Legion here begged him earnestly. Now, I got a little heartburn with earnestly. Because earnestly, the, the word here is actually is uh, close. It, it means many uh, or uh, frequently. It's not necessarily a... Uh, a degree of passion, but a degree of volume. And if you have a different translation, it's almost undoubtedly something like he, he begged him often or many times or something like that. Um, it, regardless, we, when you beg, do you beg disearnestly? No, you beg earnestly, right? So this is it's still consistent with the prior word. There's just a, might be a, a more uh, specific word to use right here. So he begged him earnestly not to send, subjunctively, so this is the possibility, not to send them out of the country, which is odd to me. Not, so don't send us out of the country. We like this country. Now, given what you know about the rest of this particular text, why did they like this country? Lots of pigs there, right? Why else? You know, I was... I was hoping, I, was ho I didn't believe it was actually true. This was not, this was optatively, there we go. This is a, a remote possibility that we were going to get there without having a bacon joke, but that's all right. No. Uh, what do we know about the people and their value system? What'd they do? They left him alone, right? It, they, they, eventually, they, they bound him up, he'd break the change. They bound him up, he'd break the change. They bound him up, he'd break the change. They stayed away, and when they lost the pigs, what were they concerned about? The pigs, right? They had a good gig going on in this place. This was, this was a great place to be a demon. 
You know why I know? That's where they wanted to stay. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Where's a great place to be a demon? Verse 11, now a great, oh, you know what? Dang it, it's 942. <clears throat> What's that? Yes, fire away. Did the heat just kick on? I got exceedingly, okay, all right. I was like, am I under conviction or did it just get hot? I don't know. It's like, they feel the same for me now that I'm in my mid-40s. It's like, it's very confusing. It's very confusing. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Ah, ah. It's a good question. <clears throat> so, so here, right. So, so here's where I want to leave us. How about this? Here's a good question to wrestle with. All right. Here's a good question to wrestle with this week. We get in trouble when we look at the dual nature God man of Jesus Christ and try to split that nature. And say, well, this was the human part of Jesus, and this was the divine. We get into all sorts of theological quagmire with that. Might have been both. Might not. But we get into all sorts of trouble with Jesus when we do that. There's a reason I haven't split that atom with these two. Can I say two? You get what I'm saying when I say two? Um, so think through that. We may, and if, if this, I'm, I'm looking at you, <laughs> I love asking these questions, and a third of you are like, <laughs> well, I, I would argue a bit about that. Um, our dual nature is not like Jesus' dual nature, right? Um, so think about that. Wrestle with that this week, and we'll come back and we'll start with uh, I was going to say 42, not 42, 11 when we get back. Lord willing. Because he always gets the option to change the calendar. So <clears throat> there is that. So at your tables, there is a sheet of paper, or there should be a sheet of paper. It looks like this, called Weekly Update. So if you've got one of these at your table, down at the bottom, if you'll print your name of each person at your table so we can do attendance that way. Uh, read over these prayer requests. Uh, make any updates if you would. If you've got new prayer requests for this week or new prayer requests ongoing, that would be great. Uh, just a gentle reminder, you are not allowed to sit by yourself with your family at a table. So if you look around and you see, oh, I don't know, a family sitting together that needs some friends, then uh, let's do that very quickly. And then after you have prayed as a table, then uh, you are dismissed to go and to worship this one. Who tells the demons what to do? I love it. I love it. I love it. Excellent. Thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.